The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better. And dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Tira koto katoa ko Simon Day toko ingoa. Welcome to a special edition of The Offspin, the spin-offs Cricket World Cup podcast brought to you by Coffee Supreme, which is keeping me awake at work after my all-night cricket benders. Today's podcast is a special interview with Muhammad Issam, ESPN Crick Info's Bangladesh correspondent, about his day in Christchurch on March 15, and the lasting effect it's had on him and the team. When they met at the Oval in London on Wednesday, it was the first time the Bangladesh cricket team and the Black Caps had seen each other since the tour of New Zealand was abruptly cancelled after the Christchurch terror attack. That day, the Bangladesh team were just minutes away from the Al Noor Mosque on their way to afternoon prayers. At 1.52pm, Muhammad Issam received a call from veteran player Tamin Iqbal, who made a desperate plea. There's shooting here, please save us. Issam immediately made his way to the mosque to find the team and was witness to the horrific aftermath of the attack. They fled back across the park and were put into lockdown at Hagley Oval and the next day were immediately flown home. This week in London was his first chance to catch up with the friends he made in the New Zealand team and for them to ask him how he was. Now in Cardiff, ahead of Bangladesh's match with England, Isam spoke to me about life after Christchurch. Eid Mubarak, Isam, thank you for joining us today on The Offspin. Uh, thank you and Eid Mubarak to you as well. What's really hard to believe is that um, that day in Christchurch uh, in March is just three months ago, or less than three months ago. It was such um, a close call for uh, uh, the Bangladesh team that day. You know, they were, they were minutes away from arriving at Al Noor Mosque. Can you tell me about how you first learned of what was happening and what happened next? So, um, basically, the Bangladesh team would go to the Al Noor Mosque uh, they, they actually went there a number of times on this tour. Whenever they were in Christchurch, they would go there on Friday prayers. And they have been to the Al Noor Mosque in 2015 and 17, as you can remember. They played, sorry, 2017, not 15. 2017, they did go. And in fact, the, many of the players knew of this mosque, which was very close to the Christchurch ground, uh, Hagley Oval. On that day, uh, if I can remember correctly, Tamim Iqbal called me uh, asking for help call the police, uh, help us, come and help us. I didn't believe him at first when he called me. And, and the second phone call he made, he was desperate. He was shouting at me. And uh, I, I just ran towards uh, whatever it is I was running towards. I, I was trying to get out of the car park and try to try to reach the mosque by looking at my maps as well. Suddenly this lady appeared in the car and said, do you need a lift? 
that was that was something uh, very strange of uh, anyone offering a, a lift in that way but i think that's how new zealanders are and throughout this ordeal we also found out how new zealanders can be so kind and generous and and so humble so um i reached that area uh, near rickerton road and in in that uh, in that sort of circle and it was terrible whatever i saw that that moment was was terrible and my first thought was that it was probably the bangladesh team that got attacked but when i saw them run out of the bus and uh, one of them grabbing me and saying just run the opposite direction we just ran towards hagley oval through the park and uh, about 10 minutes later into our walk towards hagley oval i suddenly realized that i was a journalist and i needed to record this so i turned around and took a video of what they were doing they were walking and there is one video that i uh, that i have in my phone um that i have on my phone uh, it's of me telling them to run quickly <laughs> i think it was a mix of being a journalist and being uh, uh, a regular person uh, in that moment um i don't know how journalists are supposed to react to these things i obviously i'm a sports journalist i have never covered a war or a, or or such a such a, an ordeal before so i don't know how whether my reaction was was immature but i felt that um getting away from that scene was very important for those players and of course for myself and the other journalists it's interesting because i don't i don't think many journalists in new zealand were prepared um to to handle a situation like that and knowing what to do at that time is is really difficult but you do feel like there is an obligation to sort of document what's happening and and it must have been such a strange situation for you you know almost feeling um like you were at risk yourself and also that uh sort of need to observe and uh document what's going on around you yeah um so when we rushed back to the stadium to to the to the stadium we were told to stay inside the hadley pavilion as long as there was the everything got safe so there uh, luckily there was wifi <laughs> there was a port to charge my phone and and my laptop somehow i managed to uh, write up the first uh, news piece and and it was it became a news center it became there were tvs all around there was a lot of sky sports uh, uh, crew members ground crew we were all there we were all trying to make sense of it and i think uh, we were hold up there for about 4 hours before they cleared up and then um the journalists who were there uh the the six traveling journalists and of course the great brand wall was there um he was also recording some stuff when he got stuck in at the hagley oval so we were all there together and then the traveling pack we were asked uh whether we want to go to our own hotels or we we chose to go to the team hotel we wanted to see what the, what the team was doing the bangladesh team we went to the the when we went towards central christchurch where we uh, attended a press conference by the bangladesh manager and there um, we saw all those videos emerging all those brutal videos and obviously it shook up the players a lot more and, and as you know i mean um the following day they left the scene completely they just the tour got cancelled and then we all came back home but but as as, as you were mentioning yeah it 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 was a difficult moment um 
to choose between what to do, whether I should keep writing or. And I, th- I thought that was the best way to release all the all the energy that I had inside. The, it was adrenaline was pumping hard. I mean, that and the fact that I saw some gruesome things. It just, um, to be honest, I couldn't sleep for about two weeks uh, at night. It was very difficult for me. Because as a Muslim and. I imagine much of the Bangladesh, Bangladesh team are Muslim, and they were going there that day to, you know, express their culture to pray. How, how much did it feel like an, an attack on on who you were, and how surprising was it that something like that happened in New Zealand? Yeah, it was very surprising that it happened in New Zealand. I mean, um, it's probably the last place on earth you'd think that this would happen, but. Then again, uh, when it happened for the first time in Bangladesh, around uh, the early 2000s, we also never thought that it would be happening in Bangladesh. But now it has happened a number of times. In obviously in 2016, there was the attack on the Holy Artisan Cafe against uh, on uh, on Muslims and non-Muslims, and this one was a targeted attack. I mean, it felt very sad. And then you you can't make sense of it. And then something like that happens in Colombo, where where they target uh, people on 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 Easter Sunday, I mean, you just can't make sense of these people. As someone who travels often with the Bangladesh team, how present in their minds as they move around the world is their vulnerability to um, events like this? Is it something that they have to prepare for? Do they have security analysts working with them? You know, is this a risk that they know as part of their lives as international sports people? Well, it wasn't so um, uh, until the Christchurch incident. So now the the Bangladesh Cricket Board has put in place a system where uh, they have their own security analysts the, like before the before the World Cup, they went to Ireland to play a tri series. So the security guys they went and 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 checked the security situation in Ireland, how they were going to move. The same thing in England, but here obviously is is the ICC is involved. But the ICC has also involved or also taken on board the advice given by the Bangladeshi security guys, so that because this is a, a different cricket team as well, like Bangladesh, Pakistan, Afghanistan, Muslim majority teams who sometimes go to pray. Because there was Eid uh, here uh, yesterday, so they would all go to for Eid prayers, which is held in a large field sometimes in a, in a, in a open field. So these are unique to these teams. So I think the ICC has taken care of it quite well. I think Bangladesh team felt very safe uh, praying on on Eid morning um, when they sorry it was actually the day before yesterday, not not yesterday. But the point being that um, I think the ICC were sensitive to to their needs and yeah. Obviously, there's risk everywhere, but I think um, so far they feel safe. The Bangladesh team feels safe. How does the what happened that day still affect you and and the team as well? I I hardly talk about it with the team anymore. Um, but sometimes when like we met when we went back to Dhaka, so it's been like three months now, I think. So almost three months, I think. Um, at some point, we did talk about it among ourselves when we when I met the players, but it was again um, not not in too many details. And um, and funnily enough, four of them were planned to be engaged after the after the New Zealand tour. So they got engaged, they got busy. Many of them played cricket. I think I think it's uh, one thing 
we should all remember that many of them are kids uh, in their 20s. Uh, as long as they are uh, fit and they, they are professionals, I think they they will move on quickly because they play a lot of cricket around the country in the domestic circuit. And then they went on on the Ireland and England tour, where obviously they 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 are together and they have a a network of senior cricketers, five of them in fact, and 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 a good support staff. I think uh, everyone have been very supportive of them. And and for as far as I'm concerned, I'm I'm really uh, grateful to my parents and my wife for for sticking by me and my friends as well. I thought uh, I think it's the same for everyone. I think when something like this happens, everyone comes close and tries to help you out of it. Well, I'm I'm really um glad that you you had that support around you because it's not something that you can um ever prepare for uh to deal with. How did it affect the team's preparation for the World Cup? I don't think it had a major effect on it. Um, I think they came back. They were given an extended break for about 15 days. So they were supposed to get into a camp uh, immediately, I think, two weeks after the the incident. And they extended by a week, that break. And I think some of the players did contact uh, um, psychologists and, 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 and different sort of um, therapists so that they can get over the mental side of it. And... Many of them started to play domestic one-day cricket. I remember, um, so that that really didn't affect them that much. But I'm I'm sure it affected how the BCB, uh, the Bangladesh Cricket Board, prepared for the next tours. And I think that's how it's going to be from now on. I think they would they will take a bit of time to assess security in every country now, um, threats at least for the team, how the team moves around. Look, um, I, I should tell you something. It's very interesting noticing these things. So when teams come to Bangladesh, they get VIP security. And I mean, uh, security detail of about 20 cars ahead, 20 cars behind them. They have armored vehicles. They have snipers. I think you've heard about these things in Bangladesh and in Pakistan when they move around. Even sometimes in India, the security is very high. The traffic stops for the for the teams. When they, when they go to countries like New Zealand, England or Australia, uh, teams like Bangladesh, they really enjoy the fact that there is not a lot of security. They really enjoy the fact that they can they can roam around without anyone noticing them. Sometimes maybe a Bangladeshi um, expat or a or a migrant might have might see them and take a photo or a or an autograph. That's about it. But in in Dhaka, it's very crowded, and when whenever these players move around, they 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 get mobbed if they're recognized quickly. Um, that that having said that, uh, now the players realize that perhaps they need a bit of security. Perhaps they need to be a little more smart. In moving around and not just uh, take things for granted. I think, I think when I say this, it, it hurts me because um, Christchurch is such a dear city to me. I've been there twice and I love the vibe of Christchurch, Wellington, and all these cities. Even the Bangladesh players keep saying it. I mean, whenever they mention Christchurch, they say, "We can't believe it's Christchurch. We can't believe it's Christchurch." It's not as if they wanted it to happen in any other city, but you know, Christchurch. I mean, who, who would have thought? I think it's been quite revealing for New Zealanders as well to um, have to accept and acknowledge that there were things um, going on beneath the surface in our culture that have um, sort of finally bubbled to the top in the most uh, horrific way when that uh, attack happened. And just like the players you mentioned, it's been very sad and um, you know quite upsetting to, to realise that this 
is something that affects our culture as well. You know, for, for so long we've sort of believed that anywhere but here something like this could happen. And, um, yeah, it, it's, it's stripped away some of our um, innocence and maybe even ignorance. And in the same way that the cricketers have had to acknowledge um, the need for more security, we've had to acknowledge the need for more self-awareness around um, some of the culture that exists in New Zealand, and that's been really confronting. Yeah, mate, I must tell you that um, when when something like this happens, I'll just go back to my own experience in Dhaka when it happened in 2016. It was the most horrific attack, and it went on for a couple of days, and then all these raids, all these people started to get, you know, in different neighborhoods, they, they caught terrorists who were linked to that attack. You know what? Um, everyone thought that Nobody will will ever go to a restaurant or a cafe in Dhaka ever. But if if you come to Dhaka now, it's been three years. And not just, I mean, what I'm trying to say is um, we have moved past it and we have become, I think, a stronger sort of a community because of that. I think we've become more vigilant. Um, As far as I'm concerned and as far as whatever I know of New Zealanders, um, they're the most amazing people I've met. So I I have this feeling and, and... I'm sure I'm not wrong, that you'll all pull together and then even whatever you've seen come to the surface, you will not let it bother you, affect you, or even, you know, affect the way this country goes on about its business. I think it's the most one of the most beautiful places in the world I've, I've been to. I'll just tell you a fun little story. So the first time I, yeah, first time I went to New Zealand, a couple of months later, I was supposed to go to Canada for a, for a trip uh, to meet my friends. And I got my visa refused because... They thought that I wouldn't come back. So I, I wrote a really long letter and where I wrote that, see, I went to New Zealand. It's a more beautiful country than Canada. It is cricket and the people are nicer. So if I can come back from that country, I can definitely come back from Canada. So don't worry about me staying back in your country where there's no cricket for me. And my point is, you know, New Zealand is a great country. That's and I very feel, funny. Uh, yeah, New Zealand is a very nice country. And, and I feel how everyone has reacted afterwards is just exceptional. I mean, everyone talked about it. I think I think you'll find a lot of uh, Jacinda Ardern fans in Bangladesh now, even in the Bangladesh cricket team. I think nobody could believe that that this a person can react so strongly, you know, at the top of by being the head of that country. It's very very diff- unique for for us to see uh, such a thing. I mean, to to come out in this way and make sure that. Everyone felt inclusive. I think that's the great thing about New Zealand. And I think, you know, it, it, it's so sad that it's taken such a terrible um, event to be the catalyst for this. But I I, I do think um, it did lead to this desire and, and action and understanding um, the Muslim community that lives in New Zealand a lot more and, and wanting to know who they are and um, what what it means to have them in New Zealand rather than it being a sort of um, a, a disconnected community that goes about its um, day sort of without us yeah. knowing who they are. And I think that's a really powerful um, opportunity that we do need to uh, take in this um, in the aftermath of this terrible attack. I agree with you. I think, I think it's, a, it's a, you'll find out great things about this community. I think 
um, and now it's an opportunity for New Zealanders to look at other communities as well. You know how how these small minority communities run their lives in New Zealand. I mean, um, you know, uh, it's so difficult to fast uh, in any in any country. Like in my country, the it, the fasting is from uh, like Muslims for Muslims, fasting is from sunrise to sunset, effectively. So in my in Bangladesh, it's or in South Asia, it's easy. It's from uh, early in the morning, around 4.30 or 5 in the morning to about 6, 6.30 maximum. That's when the sunset is. In countries like New Zealand or in Europe, you know, it's it's right up at what? 9 o'clock sometimes, sun, sunset. And you this, know? In the summer, it can be very late. It can be very long. And, and Muslims, they work, they do everything, they pray, and they're also fasting for that one month. So that's something a lot of people wouldn't know. But now I think you guys will slowly realize that, yeah, these are the things that they do. This is... Then at the end of that uh, month, they have a celebration called Eid, which is, well, basically stuff yourself as much as you can. <laughs> and I think yeah. that's been a part so, of it. it. You know, with yeah. this uh, year's Ramadan, it's been a lot more visible. We've received invitations to uh, join the breaking of fast uh, at mosques. And it's been an opportunity to engage um, with that culture and participate in it. And it's been... It's been really great to see that, but again, just under such um, unfortunate circumstances that those uh, lines of communication have been opened. No, but 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 still, it, it has been. A, and and hearing what what you just said, it's amazing. I mean, um, that that's that's the right way. I think that's sometimes it takes a really bad incident. I mean, we we shouldn't be focused more on that. I think it's more important that how quickly we can move on from these things. And I. I, I Isam has written a um, wonderful piece for us today where he talks about the bond he now has with um, some of the management and media teams from the Black Caps. And I, I think that's something that has been built out of this tragedy is, is a really strong bond between communities. And I think that's special and something we have to not let fade uh, as the months go on. Yeah, and I should also mention how um, even before this thing happened, uh, I was so close to guys like Andrew Alderson, Mark Ginty, um, the awesome people to hang out with in the press box. And after hours when when we explore uh, Wellington and all these cities, um, they have been awesome. They have been telling me a lot of nice stories about New Zealand cricketers. And um, it's one of the best places in the world to cover cricket, I should honestly tell you. And and New Zealand cricket makes it easier, I think, with guys like Willie Nichols and, and um, James. It, it's just uh, a treat, honestly. It's it's not the same way in any other country, trust me. And I've covered cricket in a lot of places. You're covering cricket right now in the UK, uh, following the Bangladesh team around the World Cup. How is that? It must be an incredibly busy time for you. Yeah, um, it's a lot of traveling from this point onwards. We were in London for a week uh, for the first two games. The New Zealand game was awesome, and it ended uh, it ended in New Zealand's favor. And it was a great game. Um, now we are in uh, uh, in Cardiff, West Country, where Bangladesh will face England, and then it just goes on for about a month. Um, it's hard. It's a hard thing to uh, to spend Eid uh, away from home. Although there's a very large Bangladeshi community in England, uh, but, you know, home is where, where Eid is for me. But I guess it's the same for the players. Um, some of their families have traveled. Uh, that's how cricket tours are, you know, any sport. When, when you travel a lot, it, it just you just get used to it, I think. 
And it's really exciting to see. I think this is the final um, stage in Bangladesh's evolution from minnow into you know middle top tier team there's no denying that this is a experienced talented uh threatening cricket team anymore yeah they have really come a long way um they have really come a long way and it's very uh, interesting how new zealand have always featured in that progress um new zealand was the first place where they ever played a first class match in 1997 um soon after they won the icc trophy and it was New Zealand who hosted them uh, in 2001. And incredibly, New Zealand hosts them a lot and, and gives them a lot of, you know, travels to Bangladesh a lot. They've lost a few times to Bangladesh in, in Bangladesh and also in certain in, in big events sometimes. But I, th- I think that's a great, they have a great relationship, uh, New Zealand cricket and Bangladesh cricket board. And it extends uh, among the fans and it extends among the players as well. I think the players like each other. They respect each other. Yesterday, I met uh, two guys who became friends outside, just outside the Oval. They were just going inside, uh, waiting for the gates to open. And this one guy was from New Zealand. He's from Auckland. The other guy is Bangladeshi living in Canada who's come to um, London to watch the World Cup. So they became friends. And I took a photo. I, I did a video of them for, for ESPN Creek Info. Like, beautiful friendship. It just happened like that. They don't know each other. They didn't know each other even 10 minutes ago, but now they're like talking about cricket and they're hanging around having having a laugh. So I, th- I think uh, sports has this power of bringing people together. I agree, and, and breaking down those barriers in a, in a much more um, beautiful way than tragedy does. And I think that's a really powerful thing that um, New Zealand and Bangladesh will um, always have now. Yeah, I think for as long as we live, we will remember how this tour ended, but also we will remember how it uh, it brought us together it it, um, it there there is a factor there that a tragedy can sometimes bring things together and i think i think it's a beautiful thing that these two, these two teams compete so hard against each other i really thought that you will have trouble chasing 244 but bangladesh in that uh, in that innings and and i think with i think there is a lot of tours coming up between bangladesh and new zealand so there will be more more competitiveness and I hope Bangladesh plays better in New Zealand next time. They have never won. So I think they've never beaten New Zealand in New Zealand. Sorry. So I think that that should also change. Well, we look forward to welcoming you back uh, to New Zealand when you next visit. Thank you very much for uh, joining us on the Offspin today. Eid Mubarak and good luck with the rest of the tournament. That was Mohamed Sam, Bangladesh correspondent for ESPN Quick Info. And thank you for joining us today on The Offspin. We will be back on Sunday after the Black Caps game against Afghanistan. Please like, share and subscribe to the podcast and buy some Coffee Supreme to keep you awake through the World Cup. Kakite. Kia ora e te iwi, te ai he Butler here, podcast manager at The Spin-Off. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a Spin-Off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.